How I Became a Spy, Chapter 6. When Will was three years old, our grandfather gave him his first collection of Sherlock Holmes stories. My first memories are of lying in the dark, with Will telling me the adventures of the great detective. Maybe that's one reason I liked David so much. He reminded me of Will. And maybe David could help me learn to be a detective. As for becoming a spy, well, I knew nothing, except what I'd read in the small red notebook. I don't think we need to confront the American girl right away, I told L.R. We'll just follow her around, secret-like. Of course, we have to find her first. I turned onto Broadwick Street. From Dad, I knew it used to be called Broad Street. It was famous for being part of a different kind of detective story. There was a terrible cholera epidemic here in 1854, Dad had told me. At the time, everyone thought cholera was caused by bad air. Everyone except a man named Dr. John Snow. He believed people were getting sick from using water from a well right up the block from where Trenchard House stands today. Even though he didn't have a microscope, able to see cholera bacteria in the water, Dr. Snow gathered evidence to prove that contaminated well water was the real culprit. Dad loved telling stories about London history. Just last week, when I'd asked if he'd ever got tired of patrolling, he'd pulled out a corner of his mustache to think about it. Then he said, no, I don't, because when I walk around London, it's almost as if I can touch the spirits of everyone who lived here in the past. And that's another reason we can't let Hitler destroy London. At Trenchard House, L.R. pulled me down the hall. Sure enough, Dad was having breakfast. He had made powdered eggs, which I could barely swallow. They were so disgusting. He'd cooked sausages, too, which tasted like cardboard. I was afraid to ask what was in them. Ah, there you are, Bertie. I've made you a plate. The toast was burnt and the tea was lukewarm. Dad wasn't much of a cook. That had been Mom's department. Dad eyed me over his teacup. His cheeks looked hollowed and shallow, hollowed and shadowed. I came home from my shift while you were out last night. I happened to see your civil defense helmet sticking up from under the dog's blanket in the corner here. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> Being an air raid messenger is serious business, Bertie. It can be dangerous, and I only agreed to let you... I know, Dad, I know, and I'm sorry. The siren went off, and I was so excited because it was our first raid. I couldn't find my helmet, and I didn't want to be late, I babbled. Before Dad could open his mouth to reply, I added, I did grab a pan and stick it on my head. I scraped the blackest parts for my toast. L.R. gave a little whine and wiggled her backside in anticipation. I tossed her half of the piece, and she stood on her two hind legs to catch it in one gulp. Dad was not about to be distracted by L.R.'s cuteness. I bet Warden Hawk was none too pleased to see you show up without your regulation helmet. Did it go all right, then? There was an incident near Hanover Square, but the wardens said no one was hurt. Anything else happen? Dad wiped one corner of his mustache with a napkin. <coughs> He knows, I thought. He must have already talked to the two young con constables. Uh, well, we found a woman lying in the street. Jimmy Wilson and George Morton were on duty. By the time they arrived, she was gone. 
Maybe she just fainted for a few minutes. I paused for a minute, wondering if George had, com had complained about me. I really did see her. Dad kept chewing. I could make out dark circles under his eyes. He looked thin, miserable. Maybe it was because all of all the extra shifts he took on. The police force was short of men due to the war. On top of that, he was responsible for just about everything at Trenchard House, from plumbing to young police officers who stayed out too late at dances and couldn't get up for their shifts the next day. Sometimes, though, I wondered if he'd volunteer to work more hours than necessary. When we did eat together, we mostly sat silently, looking down at our beans on toast or awful boiled cabbage. I'm taking the train to Surrey to visit Mum and Will this afternoon, said Dad. Why don't you come, Bertie? You haven't seen them since the holidays. Will's doing much better. I know he'd love to see you. Mum, too. I really can't, Dad. Maybe next time, I said. I have history homework to do for Mr. Turner, and uh, also an American near the shelter last night dropped her glove. I want to see if I can find her. I spat out the lie, the lie like it was a mouthful of tasteless dried eggs. Do you know where most of the Americans stay? I thought I could maybe bring it to a lost and found or something. Dad took a sip of his tea. He liked to take his time to answer questions. L.R. scuttled to his side and gazed up, her round eyes never leaving his plate. He tossed her a tiny crust. Here you go, you little beggar. Let's see. Most of the American military officials are clustered in Mayfair, near the American embassy. In those buildings, over, in those buildings around Gros, Grosvenor Square, so many, they're calling it Little America. You're bound to see lots of American jeeps flying up to ferry generals around town. The Supreme Commander has his headquarters there, too. And you might try Claridge's, the hotel on Brook Street, for lost and found. He paused to toss L.R. another bit of toast, then launched in. Now, you know Grosvenor Square has an interesting history. I poured myself more lukewarm tea. Once Dad got started, you just had to wait. John Adams, the second American president, lived at Grosvenor Square for almost three years, beginning in 1785. I rolled my eyes. That's interesting, Dad. But in Mr. Turner's class, we're still back in A.D. 43, learning about the Roman Emperor Claudius invading Britain. Well, anyway, there have been Americans around Grosvenor Square ever since. Oh, and I think there's a plaque on the house where Adams lived. I'd better get going then. I wouldn't want to miss that. There's no call to be cheeky, son, Dad said. Just because your mom's not... Sorry, I grumbled cutting him off before he could keep scolding me. I brought my plate and the cup to the sink and reached for a jacket hanging on a peg by the door. Where's your coat, Bertie? Dad's voice had an even sharper edge now. I, I don't know. And that was true. Look at me, Bertie, he said sternly. I turned, heart pounding. I've done my part. I let you join the civil defense. And take in the dog, he said slowly. I started. He wouldn't threaten to get rid of L.R., would he? Now, it's up to you, Dad went on. 
Do you remember what you agreed to do when I let you join the civil defense as a messenger? Messenger. Yes, sir, I whispered. I need to be responsible, reliable, and uh, respectful. That goes for the command post and home. Dad ran a hand through his hair. You know this is a hard time for us. I can't buy you anything new. You'll just have to get by. And you can't wear that. I'm taking it to Surrey today, so Will can wear it. Silently, we both looked at the coat. One of the arms would have had to been pinned up. Pinned up. I'm sorry, Dad, I mumbled. I'll try harder. I pulled my old jacket from another peg. The sleeves were so short my wrists stuck out. I'd taken off LR's lead, but now I clipped it to her collar again and moved toward the door. Aren't you forgetting something, Bertie? Forgetting something? Oh, uh, the glove. Yeah, I have it. I patted my trouser pocket and hurried out. I'd have to do better at a lot of things, including keeping my story straight. I should have paid more attention to something else, too. The notebook. I'd skimmed through the pages of lecture notes, but I'd missed this part. Wherever you are going, anywhere on secret, whenever you are going anywhere on secret work, you must automatically take routine precautions, which will make it difficult for you to be secretly watched. Routine precautions. I should have worn a cap to cover my hair, which was almost as bright red as London's as a London bus. I should have left LR at home so I wouldn't be so conspicuous. And I definitely should have paid more attention to my surroundings. I was thinking of myself only as a watcher. I didn't imagine that I might be secretly watched.